Starting God's Word this evening to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy 4. In connection with the start of school year this week, we're going to have a sermon devoted to the education of the youth. Deuteronomy 4, we're going to read the first 31 verses of this chapter. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I have set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of his word of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded thee at that time to teach you statutes and judgments, that ye might do them in the land whether ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, a similitude of any figure, 
the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. Unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, should it be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance, as ye are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes, and swear that I should not go over Jordan, and that I should not go in unto that good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan but ye shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land, Whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it, ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whether the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat, nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. We stop our reading of God's holy word at that point. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. The text that we consider this evening is verses... 9 and 10 of this chapter. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, 
unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, at this point in history of the writing of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is now an old man, some 120 years old, at the end of the 40 years of the wilderness wanderings of the nation of Israel. They have now come up to the Jordan River, which forms the boundary of the promised land. They're ready to cross into that promised land. But before they enter into that land, Moses, an old man leaning on the top of his staff, addresses the nation of Israel. Moses has a concern for the people of God. It is a weighty concern that Moses has for them. And the concern that is on Moses' mind as he delivers these words is that the people of God will forget what Jehovah had done for them. And so Moses repeated unto the Israelites the law of God, lest they forget what God had done for them and what God had spoken unto them in His commandments. That's the meaning, the literal meaning of the name of this book, Deuteronomy Second law. Second, not that it's in addition to the first law, but second in that it is a repetition of the law that originally God had given unto them at Sinai. Moses understood as an experienced, wise leader of God's people that there's always this temptation that the people of God will forget. And if they forget, they will turn away from God and they will be destroyed. And so what was Moses' remedy, the antidote to forgetting about what God had done for them? Teach. Teach them, teach this to your sons and to your sons' sons. May God give us grace then to hear the instruction of this text under that theme teach your sons. 
words. First, we'll consider what, what is to be the content of the instruction, briefly. Second, how, what is the manner of instruction to be given. And then third, why, what's the purpose of teaching your sons. Teach your sons what, how, why. Moses tells the Israelites that which they are to teach. And he describes it this way, the things which thine eyes have seen. Verse 9, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them, the them referring back to the things which thine eyes have seen, teach the things which thine eyes have seen to thy sons and thy sons' sons. And so understood here by Moses is this fact, that the Israelites had indeed seen something. Moses took it for truth that the Israelites had had their eyes opened as they went through the wilderness, and that they had observed certain things as they went through the wilderness. It is possible, you understand, for one not to have their eyes opened. For one, not to behold the things that God has revealed unto them. In that case then, if one has their eyes closed to the things that God has revealed unto them, that individual is severely handicapped in his or her ability to teach their sons. If somebody does not know what God has revealed unto them, but is oblivious to what God is revealing unto them, then that person is going to lack the ability to teach to his or her sons what has been seen with the eyes. It's possible that one is oblivious to what is going around them simply because they are so busy with all of the responsibilities and all of the callings that they have upon this earth. The glory of God is right there in front of them, revealed to them through creation, and yet this individual is so busy that they cannot take the time to observe the glory of God as God speaks to them through creation. Or it could be that one's eyes do not behold what God is revealing unto them because one has before their eyes the filth and the rottenness of this world. But instead of having before their eyes, Jehovah, as He reveals Himself through creation and His Word, the parent always has his or her eyes in the iPad, on the computer. 
and has no ability then to teach his or her sons what God has revealed. Moses takes for truth here that parents have their eyes open and that they've seen certain things. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. And so what was it then that the Israelites would have seen? Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites, standing here at the end of the 40 years of wilderness wanderings. What had they beheld? They had beheld Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. They had beheld God's grace unto them as God delivered them out of the captivity of Egypt. They had beheld God's providential and gracious care of them as God gave unto them water from the rock, which rock followed them throughout the wilderness. They beheld God's care unto them as God gave unto them manna from heaven. But they had not only beheld during the wilderness wanderings the grace and the tender loving kindness of God, They also had seen manifested in the wilderness the justice of God and the severity of the goodness of Jehovah God. Even as we were reminded this morning, our God is a just God. And the Israelites saw that. They saw that when Pharaoh and his hosts were drowned in the Red Sea. They saw that when the serpents went forth throughout the camp of Israel, and a great number of them were killed in that day. They saw the justice of God revealed unto them when the earth opened up and swallowed alive the homes of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. What had they seen? It's not just that they had observed all of these things. But they had seen this, especially the law of God given unto them. Verse 10, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth. There they stood at Mount Horeb. They beheld that mountain trembling and shaking in the presence of Jehovah God. They beheld the smoke that came up out of the top of it. They beheld the fire on that mount. And then they saw Moses come down from that mount with the holy law of God in the two tables of stone. And this law that had been given unto them was a beautiful law that God had given unto His people. Verse 6, God said to them, Keep therefore and do them for this, speaking of the law, for this is your wisdom 
and your understanding in the sight of the nations. This is your wisdom, God said unto the Israelites. This is what is going to teach you how you are to live as my people. And as the other nations of the earth observe you and watch you keeping this law, they will see that you are a distinct and a peculiar people. This is your wisdom, God said unto them. And then, not only is this law the wisdom of the Israelites, but this law given unto them would cause the Israelites to be a great nation. Verse 8, And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? It's as if God were saying unto His people, do you see how special you are unto Me? Do you see how you are the apple of My eye in distinction from all of the other nations of the earth? It is because I love you and because you are My people that now as My people I give unto you this law. And that now as the other nations of the earth observe you keeping this law, they are going to behold that you are great in My sight. What, at essence, had God set before the eyes of the Israelites? In one word, beloved, it was this. The covenant. The covenant. That's what the Israelites beheld during their wilderness wanderings. That God was their God. And that they would be unto Him His people. That's what God did not want His people to forget the covenant. Later on, he says so explicitly. The 23rd verse, Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which He made with you. Everything that God had done unto the Israelites, everything that He had revealed unto them, set forth this one glorious and grand truth that God was their covenant God. The covenant. That God was their friend. The covenant that God delighted in them. That they were the apple of His eye. The covenant that God was not far removed from them, but that He was nigh unto them. Verse 7, For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh, so close unto them? The covenant that God heard and would hear the cries of His people 
that God was not simply a distant and a remote judge sitting in the heavens, but that God in mercy bent down His ear to the earth in order to hear the plaintive cry of His children in the wilderness. The second half of verse 7, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him for. The covenant that God who had a plan, a purpose for the Israelites as they wandered through the wilderness so that it wasn't just that they were aimlessly wandering around. It wasn't a waste of time for them to spend 40 years in the wilderness to have an entire generation of everybody age 20 upward to perish in the wilderness. But God was purposeful and intentional in His covenant leading of His people, indicated in the Shekinah cloud that never departed from the Israelites. The covenant revealed unto them, pictured unto the Israelites in that ark of the covenant which went with them and for which they were to construct a tabernacle, a tent, and they would take with them during their wilderness wanderings. In a word, what was it that was set before the eyes of God's people? The covenant. And in a word, What is your duty? What is it your duty as parents to give to your children to teach them? The exact same thing the covenant. As instructors, we need not be novel in thinking about what content we are to give unto the generations that follow us. But we are to stick with the old truths which God has given unto us. Just as the Old Testament Israelites were instructed by Moses, their leader, to take that which had been set before their eyes and to teach that to their sons and to their sons' sons, so God calls us as New Testament parents thousands of years later to take that same truth which God has set before our eyes and to teach that to our sons and unto our sons' sons. The covenant. And yet, there is a difference, is there not? A significant difference between what the Old Testament Israelites saw and what they were able to give unto their sons, and what we as New Testament parents see, and what we are able to give unto our sons and to our daughters. And even the children know what is the difference between what we see and what the Old Testament Israelites could not yet see. The person. Jesus Christ. That's what God sets before our eyes. His only begotten Son who died upon the cross 
to redeem us from our sins. Hebrews 2, verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. We see that Jesus Christ stood before that holy mount that trembled and shook, and out of which the smoke came up. That Jesus was there as God gave His law unto the Israelites. We see that Jesus was with His people in that ark of the covenant. That it is through Jesus Christ that God is with us. We see Jesus Christ represented in the Old Testament in the Shekinah cloud that led the Israelites. For Jesus Christ is our teacher who shows unto us the way in which we are to go. We see Jesus Christ revealed in the Old Testament Scriptures in the justice and the severity of God as God opened up the earth and destroyed the homes of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. For Jesus Christ stands for truth and is the great judge who in the final day will sit upon that great white throne and will judge all of God's people. Yes, we as New Testament parents teach essentially the same things unto our children. That God is our God that God loves us and that God dwells with us. And yet, there's something more that we give unto them. We teach to our children that God does all of this through Jesus Christ, His Son. And so we do this. That which God has set before our eyes, we are to teach. Where does God set Christ before our eyes? It's most clearly in His Word, but not exclusively in His Word. For God has also created this earth, the heavens, the sun, moon, stars, the mountains, the hills, the valleys, and the water that rushes to the oceans. And in all of these created things as well, God is pleased to reveal unto us Jesus Christ. And so as we make observations about this earth, as we study this earth and see patterns what we call laws of this earth, as we observe predictable things upon this earth, math, 2 plus 2 always equals 4, as we make these observations in math, in science, in grammar, in history, all of these things, beloved, are used by God to reveal unto us Jesus Christ. Why is it that the laws of mathematics are the same every single time? And that 2 plus 2 always equals 
4. Why is there the law of gravity? Why is there speech? The ability to communicate to one another through the spoken word as well as through the written word. We know and we believe that all of these things are given unto us because they reveal unto us the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And so in all of the subjects that are taught then unto our sons and our sons' sons, we teach not just the observations from creation, but we teach that these observations point to and reveal Jesus Christ. Teach what your eyes have seen. But how are we to do this? If what we have seen is the covenant, God reveals His covenant and establishes His covenant with us, then it follows that how we are to teach these truths is in a covenantal way. And so it is the duty of parents and teachers alike to teach in a covenant manner. To teach. What does that mean? Moses, the inspiration of the Spirit says, the end of verse 9, teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. To teach is to cause the pupil to understand something that previously they did not know. Something that previously was unclear to the student, or something that previously the student was unaware of. It is to take that truth, formerly unknown to the student, and bring it to the attention of the student, so that the student is aware of it, so that the student can intellectually process it, And so that the student then can receive that instruction as truth. That's teaching. It is to take that which previously was in darkness and to bring it out into the light so that now the pupil, the student, can behold that truth, observe it, look at it from all different angles, understand and appreciate this as truth. Teach them. But teach them in a covenantal way. Teach thy sons' sons. This means generally that we are to view then the pupil, the student, as covenant sons. When God says, teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, God is calling attention to the covenant that God establishes with believers and with their seed. And so we are not to view the students primarily as heathens, as wicked, as little evil ones running around who must be converted, lest they stand before God in the judgment day and be condemned. But we view the children as 
God's children. They are the sons of the covenant nation. And how is this covenant nation described? Verse 7, For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them? And that takes faith on behalf of the teacher and on behalf of the parent. At times, children don't behave very much like children of the covenant. At times, their sinfulness and their stubbornness stands on the foreground. And the instructor, the parent, is very tempted to become angry with the child to respond with the child in a curt and hurtful way. We are to instruct them as God's children, as the children of this great nation to whom God is nigh, near. And then generally, to teach in a covenantal way means, beloved, that we are aiming for the heart of God's children. It's not just about giving unto them heads that are filled with knowledge and with understanding. But the goal of teaching, and we'll get into this more in the third point, the goal of teaching is to go through the head to the heart of God's children. Verse 9, Take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. That was the concern that Moses had, that these truths would depart out of their heart. Moses understood that the truths that had been given unto them by God lived in their hearts. And how could the truths not live in their hearts? They stood in awe of the grace and the power of God as He delivered them out of Egypt, as He cared for them throughout the wilderness, as He gave them manna and quail and water to sustain them. Certainly that knowledge lived in their heart as they were thankful unto God for what He had provided unto them. And just as that truth lived in the hearts of the Old Testament Israelites, so it is the objective and the prayer of parents and teachers that the knowledge which is imparted unto them would not have as as its final resting place the mind of the pupil, but it would make its way from the mind into their hearts. So that they love this truth. So that there is an emotional attachment to truth. So that they are willing to live according to truth. 
And so that if God would require it of them, they would die for truth. That's the manner, generally, in which education is to be given unto covenant children. Teach them through the mind to the heart. But now specifically, how do parents, how do instructors go about this work of teaching the minds and the hearts of the children? A few things that we mentioned here briefly. First of all, we receive the Bible as the basis for all instruction given to the youth. And that the Bible is to be the basis of all instruction given unto the youth means not just that there is to be a specific class of the day devoted to Bible instruction, but it means generally then that every subject which is taught to the children is to be taught through the lens of and from the perspective of the Word of God. The temptation would be for the parent or the instructor to teach their children Bible class and then to assume that because we've taught Bible class, now I've done my work in giving unto them covenant education. And so then for the rest of the day, there's no need for the Word of God to be opened. No need for applications of the truths of God's Word to be brought out unto the students. That we are to teach our children in a covenantal way means that in all of the subjects, we teach it according to and from the basis of the Word of God. Second, how specifically do we teach them in a covenantal way. We do so, beloved, by teaching the child holistically. It is not our objective as parents and as teachers just to shape the minds of our children. Parents do not send just a brain to school, but parents send a child to school. And so we use then all of the senses that God has given unto the children to instruct them holistically. In this text, Moses speaks of using the ears. Verse 10, Gather me the people together and I will make them hear My words that they may learn to fear Me. This will likely be the primary sense through which children are taught the Word of God through their ears. But it's not confined or limited to their ears. There's also the eyes that is to be used in instruction. Verse 9, Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. And so the instructor makes use of illustrations, graphs,
charts, charts and visual displays so that the children can see with their own eyes what God is revealing unto them. And then as well, teaching them holistically means that we're not just concerned about filling their minds with knowledge, but we're concerned about their behavior and about their walk of life. And so there is discipline then that is to be given unto the children. Necessary discipline. A word of correction given unto them. The writer of Proverbs warns, spare the rod and spoil the child. But we mustn't view discipline simply as using the rod or view discipline simply as correcting them when they do something wrong. But discipline more generally means that there is to be order in the classroom. Discipline means it's communicated unto the children what the expectations will be of them. And that then uh, there will be accountability that they are held to those expectations given them. We teach not just the brain of the child, but we teach the child holistically. And then third, we learn about teaching them in a covenant manner. We learn that we are to teach them corporately. Corporately. God said unto Moses at Mount Horeb, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words. History informs us that this is what God did at Mount Sinai. That all of the Israelites gathered before the foot of that mount, and God collectively gave unto them the law through Moses. This method of gathering God's people together in order that they might receive instruction from God is an enduring biblical model for how God is pleased to have His children taught. Gather me, the people, together. This is done in the home as fathers gather their children around the table for devotions. This is done in church as God's people gather to hear the words of Christ. This is done in the catechism room as the little lambs are gathered together to hear the Word of God specifically applied to them. And, beloved, this is done in the Christian school where the children of the church gather together where they corporately receive instruction from the teacher. This is not to say that corporate instruction is the only permissible form of instruction to be given unto the children of God. There are certain instances and specific cases where it's necessary to give particular instruction to this individual in a more private, one-on-one 
manner. But this is to say that the Word of God not only permits the children of the church to gather together to receive instruction, but that the blessing of God rests upon the blessing given corporately in that way. Our Reformed Fathers, understanding the significance of corporate instruction, confess this in the church order. Article 21, that instruction, school education, is the demand of the covenant. Gather them together. For what purpose... Is instruction to be given? We are given here both a negative purpose as well as a positive purpose. The negative is lest they forget. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget. Forgetting takes no work. You do not have to try to forget something. It simply happens. Due to the shortness of our memory, due to the change that happened to our minds in the fall into sin, we are prone by nature to Forget. Do nothing, and one will quickly forget. This is in distinction from God, who never forgets. Deuteronomy 4, verse 31, For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. This is a concern to this present moment in time that we and our children can forget about what God has revealed unto us in His covenant. We're going to sing in a little bit here, Psalter number 291, their God and Savior, they forgot their Helper and their stay. And let us not imagine for one moment that simply because we have a rich heritage of truth, that simply because we have the confessions, the three forms of unity, that because we have the church order, that because we have the good Christian school, that because we have teachers who are instructing the youth, that therefore there is no possibility that we too would forget. The prophet Hosea warned about this, that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so let each one of us then be impressed with the duty that we have to take take heed diligently unto our souls, lest we forget what we have seen with our eyes. 
It is not the case that we as parents can simply send off our children to school and then wipe our hands of this matter and say, well, that's the teacher's job now. The teacher better make sure that my children don't forget. The teacher better go about the work of instructing them in the fear and knowledge of Jehovah God. After all, that's why I write the big checks. So that the teachers can take care of doing this work. No, it's a temptation for each and every one of us to forget. Take heed to your soul, lest you forget. Then positively, the purpose of teaching the youth is so that they would learn to fear God. The end of verse 10, And I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. As we alluded to in the second point, The purpose of education is not just to give to the students information, but the purpose of covenant education is to form the hearts, the desires, and the wants of the children of God. The purpose of education is to help cultivate within the hearts of God's own children a desire to worship God. To be still and know that God is God. That He will be exalted on this earth. That He is the faithful, covenant-keeping God whose word is yea and amen. How important is this objective that they may learn to fear God all the days that they live upon the earth. The goal of education is not just to shape them while they are in that setting of receiving instruction, but it is so that that knowledge may go with them all of the days that God is pleased to give unto them on this earth. May God give unto us as instructors the ability to teach the children with that objective. How necessary this is that they learn to fear Jehovah God. How empty is the education given to one if one, although he excels academically, although he goes on to get advanced degrees, although he is appreciated by the world for all of his contributions, to a particular field of study, yet that child uses that knowledge for the cause 
kingdoms of the anti-Christian kingdom. I say how futile and how empty that education would be. The goal of education is not simply to fill their minds with knowledge, but it is so that they would fear the Lord. May teachers bear this in their mind. May parents live daily in the awareness that this is their duty. And may the whole church, as collectively we seek to teach and rear up the next generation, have this as our goal, that they might learn to fear Jehovah God. Amen. Our Father and our God in heaven, who is sufficient to know how great Thou art, to know Thy power, to know Thy love, and to know Thy grace. We thank Thee that through Thy Son, Jesus Christ, Thou dost reveal these truths unto us. May we as parents and instructors be given faithfulness to teach our sons and our sons' sons that they might learn to fear Thee all the days that Thou art pleased to give unto them upon this earth. Thou forgive us our sins, bless and keep us in the week ahead, receive our worship for Jesus' sake. Amen.